it's 3rd of November 2019 and this is episode 120 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. And how has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? <sighs> to tell you the truth, I haven't actually had too much Star Wars. There's obviously been some key bits of news that we're going to talk about, um, specifically about the Mandalorian and the Benioff and Weiss saga, as you might say. But yeah, there's just been lots of boring real life stuff with house viewings and that sort of thing going on. Like I'm still a few episodes behind with Resistance, for example. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, we should discuss that soon when we both get up to date. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I have a nice free weekend coming up next week, so I'm going to use that to catch up on all my Star Wars that I've been missing. Okay, cool. So Yeah, and I think Resistance Reborn comes out in the next week as well, so I need to read that as well. So yeah, there's going to oh, yeah. be much more Star Wars stuff coming up. How about you? What have you been up to? Um, well, I haven't had a chance to do too much Star Wars stuff either. Obviously, keeping up with the news as much as I can, same as you. But I haven't got any further with my saga marathon. Right. Like pre-tross. Um, but I wanted to watch Attack of the Clones this week, but it just hasn't happened. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just kind of been... Well, obviously, we have the Mandalorian trailer, which we'll discuss. And then all the behind-the-scenes drama, which is something of a pattern at this point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, you reach a certain point where you're like can't things go smoothly for a change but i guess that would be less fun to talk about so it all swings in roundabouts at least it gives us something <laughs> to talk about any news exactly. is good news <laughs> as you might say um okay cool so let's move into the first of our two main points of discussion for this episode um which is obviously that mandalorian final trailer so yeah i will pass this over to you kirsty like what are your impressions of this trailer did it do more to get you hyped up well it it did like it's very beautiful Mm um and there's lots of interesting like little tidbits but um at the same time i still feel like we don't really know what it's about yeah um which i have to think at this point is intentional so um you know we are going to watch it regardless and see how we get on with it but i'm interested in how this is clearly like a conscious approach to attract like the general audience people who are maybe considering signing up for disney plus haven't quite made a decision yet um and i just have to think that the reason they're being kind of coy about it is that like the unfolding of that first episode is about what the story is about yeah if that makes any sense like if if they reveal kind of the premise it would be a spoiler for the first episode yeah. That maybe there's like a little twist or something that's unexpected about it. Because um, there's like little bits that you can maybe put together and speculate on. And there are whispers, well, there have been whispers out there for a long time about what the supposed MacGuffin is and everything. Um, but nothing official. So I don't know. Like it looks very pretty to me. And I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, the performances go. And I love Pedro Pascal. And I do think it's quite. It's interesting how they're kind of teasing the fact that his helmet might come off. Yes. Because that's something that I'm actually quite invested in happening. Same. Um, might, might be the opposite for some fans out there, but uh, I would really like to see him acting with the mask off. Um, and it looks like that might happen, but they're they're not fully showing it. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's mostly aesthetic and tone-driven, this trailer, rather than like actual plot. Um, but I, I do also think that Herzog has some interesting things to say here. Or his character. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I am right now I'm just calling everyone by their um actor's name, apart from the Mandalorian, because that's easy to remember being the title of the show. So yeah, like um I have in my notes that Werner Herzog's pronunciation of Parsec is everything because it is it it's just Werner Herzog's voice, man, you know. I oh, yeah, I know we've said great. this before, but it just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just quickly transcribed before we started recording the whole thing that he says. Oh, nice. Um, He says, It's a world more peaceful since the revolution. It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? Mandalorian, look outside. They are waiting for you. And then the Mandalorian, presumably, says, Yeah, good. 
what he actually says there, the substance of it, is quite interesting to me mm. uh, in terms of what we might get a, as a story or at least a potential character arc or something to give us some information about the character himself. Because this idea that, you know, we, we've had the revolution, this is a post-Empire world, um, which is a good thing for most people, but then he says it's a shame that your people suffered. And I think he might be talking about ban- bounty hunters as well as mandalore right because then he goes into saying but bounty hunting is a complicated profession um so i i'm intrigued to see what this means for the mandalorian as a person as he finds his feet in a world where obviously it's a good thing that the empire fell but what does that mean for him as an individual yeah it's like i kind of like the idea that they got much of their employment from the empire so it's like right. well, now who's employing bounty hunters <laughs> what about employment opportunities for bounty hunters where have they gone so yeah, like, what's the New Republic going to do about that? <laughs> I suppose the solution would be to find honest employment that doesn't involve killing people, but that hardly seems fair or reasonable, in my opinion. So. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> poor bounty hunter, poor Mandalorian. Yeah, so until we find out what they're actually discussing in that conversation, I'm going to choose to believe that that's what it's all about, the lack of employment <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> Hard times. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's um the um job seeker's office. <laughs> That's who Herzog's playing. Yes. It's actually like a um Mike Lee film. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry, that went down a rabbit hole. Um but yeah, like I think I felt broadly similar to you, um, in that I liked it as a nice trailer and it creates a nice strong sense of mood. Um, which is I think clearly their intent with this marketing, they're very deliberately not telling us anything of substance about what's going to happen in the story. Um, and yeah, it all looks great and it looks very like good bang for the buck, you know, like it looks expensive and parts of it even look movie quality, which is impressive because obviously they did not have the budget of a proper Star Wars movie. But yeah, like I still have that hunger to find out what's going to happen in the show. But I'm mm. kind of consoling myself with the fact: look, it's going to be here in a week now. You can wait a week; it's okay. So yeah, and maybe yeah. that's the point. Like we are tantalized; like they're holding it back. So we're like, oh, come on, just tell us. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, you could just watch the show. But I wonder if that's enough for the average non-completely obsessed Star Wars fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And yeah, it's interesting because I doubt that like any figures will be released on how many people actually sign up to Disney Plus and how many people watch this thing. Um, because if Disney Plus is anything like Netflix, they're very secretive about how many people watch their shows. Yeah, it's not in their interest to share that information, is it? So. Yeah, exactly. So I doubt we'll ever find out how successful this marketing campaign has been, basically. Um, but yeah i think a good measure will be like how much word of mouth is there about this show how much are regular non-star wars people talking about it because yeah pretty much everyone who we follow and who follows us on twitter yeah they're going to be watching the mandalorian but i don't know like would my friends at work be watching the mandalorian because they watch the buzzy tv shows typically but i don't know if any of them are getting disney plus and obviously in the uk it's a moot point because we can't get disney plus yet anyway so have they got a date announced? Nope, nothing. Oh, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's really sucky. They're forcing me to find alternative me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's that's what it means. People will do. They'll, you know, they want to watch the show, so it means they won't watch it in official ways. Yeah, exactly. And it sucks because I'd have been perfectly happy to give Disney even more of my money. But yes, take my money, please. Yeah, but they clearly don't <laughs> want it, so. It's like, fine. Well, if you don't want my money, you can keep for yourself. Um, But yeah, there's a nice trailer. And yeah, like, one part that's interesting is there's those shots of what looks like a family, like a mum, dad and child. And they're all Mm. dressed in those funny red clothes. And it looks like they're running from some conflict. And there's lots of explosions and blaster fire in the background. And I've seen people speculate a lot that that is the Mandalorian himself as a child with his family. And yeah. like it's depicting some battle or event from the Clone Wars. Some Rogue One vibes. Yeah, no, it's very much that aesthetic. And I don't know enough about the Clone Wars or the significance of that style of clothing and that sort of thing to know like how much backing there is for that theory, basically, like how much it's actually based on. But I like it as a theory. Yeah, I wasn't sure either because 
Um, some of the early spoilers that were coming out kind of suggested that, well, should I talk about those? I think it's fine because it's not like they're spoilers for big twists. They're spoilers for basically yeah, well, the premise. Well, so This is why I was kind of surprised because I thought this information, if it's legit, was going to come out as part of the marketing, but that's clearly not the case at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I thought we'd heard that the, the premise or like the MacGuffin was that the Mandalorian was somehow um, like given a, a role um, a job as a bounty hunter to protect a child. Right. Um, so part of me was, you know, I saw that in the trailer and I was like, oh, maybe that's the kid that he has to protect. Um, yeah. But who knows? Exactly. We're going to find out whatever happens and it will be soon. So I've also seen um, like some reports and I think they're based on like an official interview or some sort of tease for the, for the show that say that episode one of The Mandalorian begins with some big spoiler for the Star Wars universe. And I'm always a bit dubious about those sorts of reports. Do they mean a spoiler for the show itself or like for the sequel trilogy or what? Yeah, like that's kind of what I'm asking as well. It's like, what do you even mean by that? You really need to get more precise essentially because it could mean anything. I feel like, yeah, a lot of these terms get misused in kind of entertainment media, right? Yeah. like what what actually is a spoiler if it's something that you're discovering while you're watching it it's just part of the story that's being told um and if it's official information that's coming out as part of this tv show can we consider that a spoiler even if it's relevant to something like the sequel trilogy because they're consciously revealing it knowing that people will then know it before they go into episode nine so i don't think that's a spoiler that's just storytelling yeah no that's pretty much how i feel and i think there's a high chance that that's what's actually happening in that we're just going to see that, oh, okay. So it's not like it literally spoils anything. It's just like a really big or cool moment that like explains something that's then explored further in the show. It's also interesting to me that we've heard that the press have been shown like a preview from The Mandalorian. And I think it was like 30 minutes to an hour, something like that. But it wasn't from any one episode. It was basically a series of clips strung together, which again... Hmm ties into this idea that there's lots of secrets they want to keep and they really don't want to give away like key narrative stuff right now yeah i at first when we heard about the mandalorian and the where it was fit in the timeline and stuff i was like okay that seems completely removed from the sequel trilogy they won't really have anything to do with each other story-wise which is fine you know you wouldn't necessarily expect that but ever since we found out that palpatine is back I'm wondering if there is something that ties in with how things were going down after the official fall of the Empire, you know, but there were still remnants out there um, and what they were doing. Yeah. Um, And it could be possible that the Mandalorian somehow discovers something that plays into that a little bit. Yeah. No, I think that's very likely. And I kind of feel like I want that because, like, it's cool to have a story about a bounty hunter. But I also want the story to feel like it has that wider significance and ties into the bigger picture because there's still that huge, like, gaping void of of time, basically, between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And there's so many stories that can be told there. And yeah, I want to see them take advantage of that. Yeah. Well, at least we know it ties in with the holiday special. Yeah. Because that last shot, the Mandalorian holding up his fork, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's holiday special Boba Fett. <laughs> I saw <laughs> you post that on the um, podcast account and it's like, oh, yeah. it was just, that made Kirsty so happy. That's awesome. Honestly, at this point, I would watch it for that alone. So yeah, ho- holiday special Boba Fett is the best Boba Fett. So, you know, I I applaud John Favreau and the fact that he managed to get his fan fiction written. He's probably been writing this since he was a, a child himself. So yeah, uh, I'm still <laughs> hoping there's that visit to Kashyyyk and that we get to see Lumpy and Itchy <laughs> and Marla. <laughs> you know, like come on, there's so much potential for a bounty hunter story involving the Wookies, or at least a pink dinosaur in the background somewhere. Yeah, no, like just <laughs> come, come on, anything. <laughs> Just as much holiday special tie-in as possible. It, it, it is Life Day month. They're releasing it at the right time. Oh my god. Synergy. Yeah. Holiday special synergy. 
So this is the way of making Thanksgiving, which is a very, very American holiday, feel significant to me because I can just think of it as Life Day. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay, great. I'll start doing that. <laughs> okay. I really need to watch the holiday special again. I miss it. Um, cool. Is there any like final comments you'd like to say about the trailer before we move on? I don't think so. I'm sure there are lots of amazing theories out there. I haven't really had time to keep up with them, but mm. I'm just excited to watch the show now. It's, what, nine days away? Yeah. Um, Is it coming out next Sunday? Is that the 12th? Let's see. No, I think it's a few days after that. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. It's um, the Tuesday after next weekend. Yeah, so we'll have another episode, presumably, before the actual show comes out. Yes. Um, and, you know, we might get more information this week. They might be doing, like, quick TV spots like they do with the movies. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, but it's not far off now. So we'll know a lot more soon. Exactly. Long to wait, kiddos. So then the next story, and actually the last story we're going to discuss, because there's a lot to say, basically, so it's not a five-minute jobby, um, is that Benioff and Weiss have, shock, left their Lucasfilm deal, and various accounts have emerged. So what I'll do is I'll read out the initial report from Deadline, which is basically the PR-friendly version of what happened we'll discuss our initial reactions to the news and then we'll go a bit deeper and talk about these follow-up articles from variety and the hollywood reporter because they just give a bit more context and present potentially competing pictures of what really happened so yeah the original announcement from deadline David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the duo who in 2011 launched the singular screen sensation known as Game of Thrones, have walked away from their much-publicised deal with Disney's Lucasfilm to launch a feature film trilogy in 2022. Benioff and Weiss were supposed to usher in the post-Skywalker era of the Star Wars brand with a 2022 new start story that would stake out a new frontier for the era-defining cinema brand created by George Lucas. The Emmy-winning pair cited their historic deal with Netflix. They said their enthusiasm for Star Wars remains boundless, but, regrettably, their schedule is full. We love Star Wars, the pair said in a statement to Deadline. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was the thrill of a lifetime, and we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. Kathleen Kennedy didn't close to shut any doors in her send-off statement on Monday. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are incredible storytellers. We hope to include them in the journey forward when they are able to step away from their busy schedule to focus on Star Wars. Clearly, it's a big fizzle ending for the firecracker fuse headline from February 2018 when the deal was announced. But the duo still arguably lost some luster during the much maligned final season of Game of Thrones earlier this year, as many fans questioned whether the Game of Thrones creators had the storytelling chops to handle a Jedi saga. In the end, however, it appears the tandem's deficiency was in time, not talent. In August, Deadline broke the news that the Game of Thrones duo had signed a nine-figure deal with Netflix, and on Monday, that commitment was the one that brought about the end of the Great Westeros Experiment by Disney and Lucasfilm. There were only so many hours in the day, and we felt we could not do justice to both Star Wars and our Netflix projects, the Game of Thrones pair said in a statement to Deadline. So we are regretfully stepping away. <laughs> so that's the initial reporting. What was your reaction, Kirsty, when you saw this news? Uh, well, I wasn't surprised. Mm -hmm. Immediately when I, w I was reading these things like about the, how they just didn't have time for both projects, so I was like, wait, really? Because anyone could have told you that. Like, when they first announced the Netflix thing after the Lucasfilm announcement from last year, I was like, yeah, they're not going to have time for both of those things. Mm. Um, and Netflix had been asked about that, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're not expecting any output for like 10 years. It's fine. This is a long-term plan. Uh, it's like, okay, but still Disney and Netflix are in a pretty heated streaming war right now, mm. um, along, with, along with other companies. But um, it just didn't seem entirely truthful, yeah. this idea that you just don't have time, but you'd love to do everything. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me. So when we got revisions to that story, um, and, you know, nothing's been confirmed. It's all kind of things that various insiders are saying and whatever but um 
I was just like, yeah, that that doesn't seem quite right because it, it didn't make sense to me that after getting the Lucasfilm deal, you'd then go to Netflix and sign a contract with them too. Yeah. Um, because of course you wouldn't have time for both of those things and I don't think that either company would be thrilled with the idea of you working with the other one. Yeah. No, exactly. It doesn't seem realistic as the reason. It's clearly the like PR-friendly story and that's what they're sticking with because it's the one that allows everyone to step away with some dignity, I think. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't make any sense because basically by signing that deal with Netflix and clearly not being able to fulfill the deal with like Disney slash Lucasfilm, that would be a breach of contract essentially with Lucasfilm and they're not going to allow that essentially. So that to me says that they were quietly released from the Lucasfilm commitment prior to signing that Netflix deal. That's what seems logical. Uh, That's what sounds like it's happened since. Um, But, I mean, again, it's also hard to know how much the last season of Game of Thrones really played into things. They were also at um, Austin Film Festival a few days ago. It was actually the day before all of this was officially announced. Mm. Um, And there's quite an infamous Twitter thread now from user for Aria, uh, who live-tweeted their panel um, as they were talking about how they went into working on Game of Thrones with no no experience, they didn't really know what they were doing and all this, and a lot of it was making people quite angry, especially because, of course, that final season um, really wasn't popular for a lot of fans. Not everyone. Some people liked it just fine. But um, it raised enough of a conversation, probably, for Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger to maybe have some concerns. Um, but it's, it seems to me like it wouldn't have been that Fred or their panel as like a cause to be fired overnight, but it was maybe a catalyst to be like, okay, maybe we should officially announce this now because we've been kind of keeping it under wraps for a few months. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, it's a slightly odd and unfortunate time for this sort of announcement to come out because it is obviously in the run-up to these big flashy Star Wars projects, The Mandalorian and Episode Nine, and you kind of don't want to... <sighs> like spoil the buzz on those a bit with like this like negative drama basically about personnel changes and directors going and producers going etc etc but I suppose it's better to have this now than like first week of December or whatever so yeah and you know it wouldn't usually be a big deal people sign on and leave projects all the time but it's when things are officially announced for Star Wars and to be fair a lot of that's more for the shareholders and the fans yeah it's true Um, you know, they want to give people reason to keep investing or, or feel safe with their investments. Um, but when they announce that something hasn't worked out, it kind of starts to look bad and people get worried again. Yeah. Um, but of course, they announce things to keep people excited too. So it's like a... I mean, you McGregor was saying recently he had to lie for four years about being involved with Star Wars again because people kept asking him. And that's how long things are in talks for before they get the ball officially rolling. Um so they announce things and then it turns out later oh no actually we're going a different way and it's probably not a sign of trouble per se but people can't help but gossip over it as we're doing right now we're not better than anyone else (laughs) yeah no we're not claiming moral high ground just to be clear um and yeah like it's not the best optics for Lucasfilm because obviously there is this catalogue of departures. So you had um, Colin Trevorrow leaving episode nine. You had Lord and Miller being removed from Solo. You had Josh Trank being taken off a potential Boba Fett project, etc., etc. And obviously people are like having a field day talking about this as like a pattern and everything. And yeah, like I'm, I mostly agree with like what you mentioned, Kirsty, about it just being a part of the process and like realizing you have different like visions and like coming to a crossroads and deciding it's time to say goodbye but yeah I don't know and I think it's also just because of the nature of Star Wars you know and there's clearly this real investment in need to get it right and so I just don't think Kathleen Kennedy is going to trust anyone unless she has absolute faith in their ideas and their proposals for the story and Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably where it fell apart a bit. Um, But yeah, we can go into that a bit more with some of the follow-up reports because they touch on that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I think, you know, to your point, I think there's a larger ongoing constant conversation about what Star Wars is or what it should be. Mm. Um, And it's quite a precious property. 
Like we yeah. talked about it before. It's like, what actually counts as Star Wars? Is it lightsabers and pew pew and explosions? Um, is it these deeper themes of redemption and love and family? Because uh, if you talk to a group of fans, everyone will have something different to say. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily this one thing. And um, I think for a while, maybe the strategy was to make Star Wars all of these different things so that all of these fans would be satisfied in their in their different bubbles and ways. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because the fan base is so huge that, you know, it makes sense to, at first to try and please everyone. But then I, I know when um, Benny Elf and Weiss were first announced, everyone was like, oh God, what if they make Star Wars Game of Thrones? Are we going to get nudity and sex in Star Wars? Because that's not what it's about for me. And, and you know, gratuitous violence and all that. Um, yeah. Of course they wouldn't make Game of Thrones 2.0. Yeah, can you I don't think that was ever the point, but I think people look at the creators that they bring on a lot more closely and look at their existing body of work and see, oh, how does that fit in with what I understand Star Wars to be? Yeah. In a way that, um, you know, that wouldn't be true for all franchises. Yeah. No, 100%. Like, it's just so precious to people and everyone, like, has these concepts about what Star Wars is and what it should be. And yeah, I think they're understandably sensitive about that. I think this whole situation with Star Wars means that Celebration 2020 is going to be very interesting in terms of what they do and do not talk about. Um, because, yeah, to be fair, Celebration this year, they weren't really talking much about future projects. And I suppose that is out of that sense of caution because they don't want to talk about something that then ends up not happening. Basically, it's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, if it turns out that it was the case, I think, was it, oh, maybe you're going to go into it later, but um, I think it was Joanna Robinson who'd implied that um, they'd actually decided around May time this year that it wasn't going to work out with Benioff and Weiss and Star Wars. Um, if that was the case, if that's actually true, then during Celebration, that would have kind of already been in flux. Yeah. So it would make sense to just kind of <laughs> not mention it at all. Um, and of course there have been ongoing discussions about whether Ryan Johnson is really making more Star Wars and he says he is yeah. so I, I choose to believe him but um, there are lots of fans out there who don't love The Last Jedi and understandably that means that they don't want more Star Wars from Ryan Johnson so for those fans it was probably a surprise to see that this was the project that actually has been nipped in the bud yeah no that's definitely true I have seen some incredulity along those lines to be honest which has been entertaining let's put it that way um, yeah, but I guess it comes down from your perspective in terms of whether you think this reflects poorly or well on Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Because on the one hand, you can say, oh, well, you know, if she doesn't like the way something's going, she's got no qualms about saying it hasn't worked out, we're parting ways. Um, from from one angle, that's a good thing. And from the other, it's like, well, why do these people keep getting hired if it, then it turns out that it's not working out? Yeah. So depending on your perspective... <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's always a conversation going on as to whether people who aren't involved at all think that she's doing a good job or not. Yeah, so I have seen kind of like a misconception that like, oh, she only wants people who agree with her. She only wants yes men. And I don't think that's right. Like, just to be clear, I definitely don't think that's right. Because the thing is, like, she wouldn't be going after people like Ryan Johnson if that were the case. You know, she clearly wants these like bold, crazy voices to come in and create something that's passionate and from the heart. But at the same time, I think she's just a very discerning person with like strong instincts for what will and won't work. And she, yeah, she's just not afraid to say, yeah, I don't think it's working. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the the rumour here is that Benioff and Weiss were supposedly working on a story about the origins of the Jedi. Mm. That's a pretty important story to tell. Yeah. Um, so if they were conflicting with the story group quite heavily on what that story should be, it's understandable. It'd be like, okay, well, we want to tell different stories. This just isn't going to work. Yeah. No, exactly. And they'd have to be really careful about that because once that story's told, it's told. Like, it, of course, this is all fiction, but if you're looking at Star Wars as, like, one cohesive piece of canon, um, then the start of the Jedi pretty much influences everything that comes after that. Yeah. No, exactly. It's hugely significant. Um, on that note, that part comes from Variety. So would you perhaps like to read the part of the Variety article I've highlighted? Sure. 
When Kennedy and her team pitched these filmmakers on joining the Star Wars family, sources say they were promised some measure of creative control. However, multiple insiders said new ideas were commonly shot down, as Kennedy and her team were only looking for people to stick to the company line. If disagreements about the direction of the film became too intense, it usually led to the person leaving the project, rather than an attempt to find common ground. The Lucasfilm Brain Trust would often turn to new writers, such as Lord and Miller, before ultimately retreating to old standbys such as Lawrence Kasdan, the Empire Strikes Back writer who is still seen as a key sounding board on the productions. Even if the lack of an appetite for creative risk isn't to blame, there are questions about whether the abrupt departures of key talent points to a problem in how directors and writers are being vetted and hired. Benioff and Weiss had ambitious plans to take the Star Wars universe in a new direction, one that would exist apart from the Skywalker family saga that comprised the franchise's centerpiece nine-film series. The Star Wars period the pair was interested in exploring was how the Jedi came to exist. However, Lucasfilm executives and the creators began to see their visions for the film diverge during meetings last summer. News that the pair had signed a massive $250 million production deal with Netflix was a signal to many that they were eager to explore other opportunities. It also brought pressures. When the pact was announced, Netflix said it was aware of the duo's commitments, but insiders say they were also wary of waiting as much as four years for them to wrap up work on Star Wars. The streaming service wanted Benioff and Weiss to focus on creating exclusive movies and shows for them, particularly when they looked out at a streaming landscape that is growing ever more competitive with the launch of Disney Plus and HBO Max. As relations with Benioff and Weiss curdled, the studio had begun taking general meetings with other writers on possible Star Wars pitches. It's unclear if these were just sit-downs exploring other related productions in the franchise's cinematic and streaming universe. The departure of the two likely sends the studio back to the drawing board, with the future of the series more uncertain than it has been since Disney closed its $4 billion deal for Lucasfilm in 2012. Um, sources at the studio insist that Kennedy's job is secure, despite the churn of filmmaking talent but insiders at the talent agencies believe the top filmmakers may become wary of working on the series, particularly if the end result would be an embarrassing dismissal. Star Wars fans did receive some welcome news when it was revealed that Kevin Feige, the executive created with guiding the Marvel Cinematic Universe, will work on a standalone Star Wars film. That led to speculation that Feige might be brought in to stabilise Lucasfilm, but insiders say that there are no plans to give him a larger role in that division. Phew, that was a lot of words. Thank you, Kirsty. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know, the tone of this article is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I, I did have to laugh at the idea that Kevin Feige's announcement was welcome news for fans because not to say I'm representative of all fans, mm. obviously I'm not, but it was not welcome news for me. Yeah. And of course, yes, it did lead to all that speculation, but it was pretty recently announced that Feige was made, was it president of MCU? creative director yeah. something new it was a promotion within M the mcu that clearly meant that he wasn't going to be moving to lucasfilm anytime soon yeah exactly it was basically a promotion that meant he has even more work to do at marvel so it's like well he's probably not going to be taking over a whole other division of disney then is he so yeah i think it whatever the title was i think it meant that he didn't just have oversight over the films anymore he also isn't you know uh pretty influential now on like the tv shows and stuff like that yeah exactly um, so, you know, that's a huge deal for him. So he wouldn't have time to take over Kathleen Kennedy's job either. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Um, I'll tell you what, this piece from Variety, this to me screams spin from Benioff and Weiss's camp. Well, yeah. Yeah, like it's just basically, it very much frames them as these like creative visionaries who were being stifled by Lucasfilm and it caused things to go ugly and thus they walked away to greener pastures and Netflix. And I'm not saying that's an like completely untruthful account or it has no relation to what actually happened, but it's got a very clear angle on it. Well, some of it's actually inaccurate. Like this part where they're talking about what happened with Solo. Mm, yeah. Um, they didn't fire Lord and Miller and bring on Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan was already writing Solo with his son, John Kasdan. Yeah. And Lord and Miller were replaced by Ron Howard as director. Yeah. So I don't know where they got that from. And this idea that, I guess it's the angle that they want to spin. Like you say, Lawrence Kasdan is the old reliable uh, he's already said he's not interested in working on any more Star Wars. Yeah, no, that's exactly yeah, what I was thinking when you were reading it. I was like, well, this is explicitly contradicted by a very recent yeah. interview with Kasdan. So. Yeah, and he's, he 
to be fair, he maintained that from the beginning. He said he wanted to do Solo because Han is his favourite character, always has been, and he helped with The Force Awakens when Michael Arndt left that project. Uh, he wrote that with JJ. But he, he was not the case that he was brought on because Lord and Miller weren't working out. It was actually one of the reasons Lord and Miller left, reportedly, was because he was writing this story with his son and they kept trying to improvise scenes. They weren't really adhering to his writing. Yeah. So this does seem like spin, as you say. Yeah. yeah, I think it's basically trying to create an easy narrative where there isn't one. This is not like on The Last Jedi, Brian Johnson was going up to Lawrence Kasdan every five minutes and be like, oh, could you check this new script page? <laughs> like, as far as we're aware, Kasdan had nothing to do with that. So, yeah, right. it's just misinformation, perhaps fake news even. Um, yeah, and... <sighs> Like, the whole thing with the Netflix deal and stuff, it's very weird to me. And the Hollywood Reporter story goes on to explore that more. And I feel like the Hollywood Reporter story seems a bit more fair and balanced. Like, yeah. I I think what I'll do is I'll I'll read the Hollywood Reporter story. You've just read a hell of a chunk of the variety one. And then we'll basically have the full picture, according to the trade publications, you know. So we obviously don't know all the details. And this is just what anonymous people connected to it are saying and we've got no idea what their motives are or who they are exactly so it's all got to be taken somewhat of a pinch of salt so yeah this is from the hollywood reporter sources tell the hollywood reporter that benioff and weiss's exit has been brewing since august lucasfilm chief kathleen kennedy is said to have been unhappy with the netflix deal inked just as they were scheduled to begin work on star wars Benioff and Weiss had said multiple times they would not turn the focus to Star Wars until production wrapped on the final season of Thrones, which ended in July 2018. Kennedy was not convinced the pair, known for, known for focusing on one project at a time, could develop a sci-fi trilogy while also overseeing film and TV projects at Netflix. Sources say that as the duo shopped for an overall deal over the summer, they told potential suitors that they planned to work on Star Wars concurrently with any projects under the, under their new deal. Sources say Netflix learned of Benioff and Weiss's Star Wars departure mere days before news broke Monday. At the time of the Netflix pact, Benioff and Weiss were working on a treatment for Disney and Lucasfilm. The pair was committed to pen in at least one of the films, though the original deal was to write all three. They're deep dive guys, says one person in their orbit. Adding to the wrinkle was that, according to one source, the Netflix deal required them to be exclusively on the sets of the projects they created during the production and not be away for Star Wars at the same time. It's like, well, the, why the hell did you then sign this Netflix deal? What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. Um, money, money, money. <laughs> so that's the likely answer. Kennedy, according to a source familiar with her thinking, was nervous. The duo would become the fourth directors to exit a Star Wars project since she took the helm at Lucasfilm. Meanwhile, Benioff and Weiss were also feeling the heat and began having second thoughts about jumping into Star Wars due to what one source described as toxic fandom. <laughs> the creators had built thrones from the ground up, based on author George R. R. Martin's sprawling novels, and were initially lauded by both critics and fans, who made the show HBO's most watched original series ever. But the divisive six-episode final season that aired in the spring was met with such backlash that the duo backed out of a farewell panel at San Diego Comic-Con in the summer. To go from Thrones to Star Wars, where fans have bullied actors off social media and taken aim at filmmakers like Johnson, who wants to go through that again? Not them, though it's another source of knowledge of Benioff and Weiss's thinking. This was in the Life's Too Short category, whether forces internal or external were in play, Benioff and Weiss wanted out. It was a hard quit, says says an insider. So, yeah, it's a lot, basically. There's so many stories and accounts of what happened. And it's a bit bewildering, to be honest, to keep track of everything. And you could almost do like a spreadsheet comparing all the details and all these different accounts to see how everything measures up. Yeah, exactly. We're never going to know the full story, and that's okay, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think this is probably the most balanced of the articles. Um, and I, I do believe that the fear of toxic fandom might have played a part, although something doesn't quite sit right with me with, like, bringing up um, instances where the actors have been bullied off of social media, because that often happens to 
female actors and actors of color. Yeah. Um, Benny and Weiss are two quite privileged white men. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that seems a little tasteless in my opinion. Yeah. But I, I get what they're going for. Yeah. And that's um, very much editorializing by the article. It's not a quote from anyone. So I think if they were in afraid of anything or thinking of anything in terms of the fan reaction they're probably looking at how ryan johnson's been treated and the sort of interactions he's had on social media um and just be clear i love ryan and like think he's never done anything wrong in his life um but yeah ryan johnson has had to put up with a lot of bullshit and Mm. i can understand like benioff and weiss looking at that and seeing this other creative force behind a star wars project getting that level of criticism as a result of their contribution and being like, uh, <laughs> this doesn't look fun. Um, I think they said uh, before the finale of the show came out that they were going to stay away from the internet. So it seemed like they already <laughs> knew that people weren't going to take it very well. Yeah. I don't know if they're active on social media. I don't really have any interest in following Game of Thrones <laughs> creators. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do see how people treat Ryan and I don't think it's cool. So yeah. Um, it's understandable yeah and it is tricky because i do think there's a good point made like across both these articles really in combination because yeah like i think the first one from variety is a little bit slanted against kennedy and lucasfilm but it does reach a point where well who who are they going to find to work on these projects now because it seems so fraught and it seems like such a massive ask to be while you're spearheading the next phase of Star Wars storytelling on the big screen that's very scary yeah well this is what um, was interesting about a lot of the responses when it was first announced that they were they had chosen to leave that was kind of how it was originally spun right from that first was it the the deadline article they'd left and Kathleen was saying oh I hope that we can still work with them in the future Um, a lot of people were saying on social media there's no way they left you don't turn down Star Wars Mm. um, and definitely not for Netflix so there's this idea that Star Wars is the ultimate thing that everyone wants to work on and no one would walk away from it Um, but I don't know if that's true these days to be honest Um, in in the days of you know as they say toxic fandom um, and all these debates about what Star Wars is and what the future of the franchise might look like. Uh, I don't think it's an automatic thing that everyone should be jumping at the chance to work on Star Wars. Um, and like I said, Benny and Weiss are privileged white dudes. Um, but I think it would be even more the case for a woman of colour. Yeah. So there's this, like, this interesting conversation going on where it's like the fans, including us, are understandably like demanding better representation in front of and behind the camera. But are those people actually out there? Um, is, is that part of why it's hard, seemingly, for Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm to hire more diverse people? Yeah. Um, or is that just nonsense? And of course, everyone would want to work on Star Wars. I'm not sure. It's really tricky. And yeah, I think this does further point to the like next few years of Star Wars being very firmly rooted in the TV stuff. Because we know for a fact that that is proceeding. Obviously, we have Mandalorian Season 2 in production already, so that's a done deal. And we have Obi-Wan looking like it's all set, and the Cassian series is rolling on, even though that's had some problems. <laughs> so, yeah, like there's definitely going to be lots of Star Wars content to come. It's just what's next for these movies, because Star Wars is primarily a cinematic franchise. And I'm really excited for the TV shows and looking forward to them, but... It's always going to feel, I think, in the public consciousness, like sort of secondary. Do you know what I mean? And that might change. You know, if like the Mandalorian is absolutely mind bogglingly good, then it might become like the dominant styles in people's minds. Who knows? Mm. But yeah, for me, I feel like it's always going to be movies first. Yeah, um, that's true for me for now as well, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll see how TV does. And we're in this age of amazing television, so I think it's entirely possible that it does. Cr- take up more of what Star Wars is in people's minds as it goes forward Um, I'm wondering if this means that Ryan's movie or trilogy or whatever it is will move into that 2022 slot Mm. as far as I know he hasn't announced any other things now Knives Out is released I think he's talking about he was asked about um, his Star Wars stuff and he said maybe he could squeeze in another movie in between but 
now that this has been announced i don't know what that means for his schedule yeah um it's also possible that they've already hired someone else for that project that benny and weiss were working on or one similar enough to it yeah where they could slot that into that timeline as well yes i do think it's a fascinating idea like to tell the story of the first jedi and how that all came about there's a really fascinating story there yeah i think they'll get to it yeah yeah. But I totally understand, like, being precious about it and making sure you want to tell the right story about that. Because, basically, some people don't like the story group and they feel like it's too restrictive and that, like, it's inhibiting the creativity and stuff. But I think there's always got to be a balance between you have all this stuff, you have these TV shows, you have the movies, you have the books... And if you really want to have any claim towards it all matters, it all makes a contribution, then you do need some sort of oversight from a body like that. You can't just go in and tell any story you you pluck out of your head. Yeah, and I I think a lot of that comes down to maybe a misunderstanding of what the story group does and is. Yeah. Um, All of those people in the story group are working on different things. Um, I think Matt Martin had to clarify recently on Twitter that he has not worked on The Rise of Skywalker they're not all working on every single Star Wars project and they're not all automatically involved in the films just because they're what you think of when you think of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, some of them are heavily involved in the comics and if you don't read the comics, that's fine, but that's still someone's job. Um, so it's not like everyone there is automatically working on the same thing. They're not just sat in a room together being like the guardians of Star Wars. Um, yeah. They're working with the creatives in all of these different mediums and areas. Yeah. So And... Like, I don't think they're trying to block anyone from telling a story they're passionate about. I think they're probably just saying, okay, awesome, we want to tell this sort of story. Here's what's already been established. And, like, we can, like, blur the boundaries and stuff. Because I don't think they'd be like, well, in this issue of the Marvel comic run, where Leia and Han Solo do this thing, that means you can't do X. I'm not sure it'd be quite that pedantic. You know, they'd probably find ways of working around stuff. Um, yeah I think so but yeah there's just got to be some sort of like oversight and yeah alongside that space for original creatives to express themselves because that's what Ryan Mm -hmm. did and he did it superbly so that example alone shows that it can be done because I'm kind of sick of this bullshit narrative that Lucasfilm is stifling creativity and there's no interest in like new and innovative ideas it's like well if that were the case then I don't think Last Jedi would have happened (laughs) so yeah yeah. and as far as we know the Mandalorian went smoothly too yeah and it looks like they're pursuing a lot of interesting things there too so yeah I, I just don't buy that either yeah um i'm sure it depends on personalities a lot of the time and just whether people work well together yeah um the rumor is that colin trevorrow did not work well with other people within lucasfilm Mm. yeah um and yeah that doesn't just come down to oh we have different ideas sometimes people aren't very pleasant to work with yeah and i can see that being true especially in uh, hollywood where there are lots of egos (laughs) so Oh my god, I would never be able to work in Hollywood. I'd just be murdered. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be so yeah, it's like, Yeah, we, we don't know for sure what's true here. We're kind of having fun speculating about it, but at the end of the day, we're not going to... We're probably not going to get the full story. Yeah. Because, like you say, everyone who's giving their, their version of events has their own agenda and people that they want to protect and they want to make themselves look good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all we know is they're no longer working on Star Wars. So, to me, um, that's a good thing, I guess. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it when they were announced. Yeah. Um, but now we just got to see if anyone else is announced. Yeah, and, um, exactly. If, if it moves Ryan's trilogy up, I'm happy about that too, because I love Ryan. Yeah. No, I would really, really like that. So, I did see him recently say that he's in negotiations. And, like, that sort of got my little like conspiracy theory mind thinking hmm is he in negotiations so that they can see if he can like move his ideas up and do them quicker than he might have planned because we know that they were hoping to do the Benioff and Weiss films in the dates that they have announced for the next Star Wars movies and obviously that's not happening so if they do still want to fill those dates then well if you accelerate the Ryan Johnson thing then that could work nicely but yeah it would be up to Ryan I suppose in terms of whether he thinks he could fulfill that Mm mm-hmm yeah, so we've just got to wait and see. Exactly. So, yep, I think that's us done. And 
I feel glad that we only did news this time because that was a long discussion, just about two news stories. Um, but I feel like it was warranted. I feel like there's lots of facets to the Benioff and Weiss news. So yeah, I'm glad we were able to discuss it. Um, yeah, and I hope that we get some more Rise of Skywalker stuff in the next week or so because we're still waiting on that international trailer that we will definitely get. And oh, that's true. I, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, it's easy Yay, to forget because footage. there's no like build up to it. You know, like with yeah. the main American one, it's like a oh, trailer in 24 hours and like <laughs> teasers and everything. You know. Um, so yeah, it will probably just be like dumped randomly, and someone will find it, and then all hell will break loose. But that's lots of fun. <laughs> so I look forward to that happening. And yeah, articles. Yeah. I also want long, detailed interviews with the cast because they're great. Oh, same. I love the press tours. Yeah, give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So I think that's a great note to end things on. I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Stars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Basta LeBay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!